fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Now Walmart. Andre Svechnikov again in back of the goal. He stops in the dime. Lacrosse goal. Scores! What a goal! Andre Svechnikov reaches into those bag of tricks for some magic here in the third period. A highlight real goal. And the Canes have tied it. Getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, we're back here. Pucks in deep podcast, episode 44. And uh, let's go a long time coming. That highlight reel of that fantastic goal by uh, Andre Svechnikov. I mean, speechless. Yeah, really. I couldn't believe it. I like... I was in the kitchen when uh, it happened, or whenever they played the highlight on TSN there, and I had to run up to the TV and watch it over and over again, because believe it or not, there's been attempts in the NHL, but that's the first time somebody has pulled it off. Well, he himself attempted it last year. Yes, that's right. Against the Islanders. Um, I didn't actually remember it, um, but when it was brought up by the color guy, uh, unfortunately I don't remember his name, but... Uh, I remembered, oh yeah, he did try that because they did talk about it a little bit. Oh, look at this, Svechnikov tries the old sneaky move. Watching him put that in there last night against big save Dave, David Riddick. And I mean, he was phenomenal all game. I was watching a little bit of that game myself and he had like a coffee mug to put that puck in. Right, He next just to tucked Riddick's it in head. over his shoulder, Crazy. right? And it was, you know, Riddick was right up against that post as well. Yes. So it was... It wasn't that he was thrown off guard. He was there, but I mean, there's there's really nothing you can do on that play, though, right? Well, what makes me excited about it is if we go way back, circa 2004, was that when the Michigan? That's the first one, the Michigan. That, that, yeah, that I can remember College hockey. anyway. Well, I believe that as far as I know, that was the first time it had ever been done and captured on film, and here it is. You see it a lot over in the uh, European yes. leagues. Yeah, you do. Uh, I think there was a highlight um, just recently of a guy who had done it in the Swedish Elite League. Yeah, just a couple days ago, I yeah. think. Or maybe even yesterday. I don't know. It was the same time as the Svechnikov. Right. Um, anyhow, I think there's more space behind the net, by the way. Like, in, the, in the European yeah, ice? Yeah. So the, you know what I yeah. mean? Sometimes they'll let them be back there. But what makes me excited about it is I think it, we're going to see it happen more and more in the future. Let's go. Because when you see Svechnikov put that in with no space at all, that means you don't have to try and trick the goalie. It used to have to be you had to trick the goalie. The couple times that I'd seen it online. Or at least that's what the, the player attempting to do it uh, seemed to think. That, yeah. oh yeah, I got to catch the goalie in the wrong side of the net to and I need this increase half open. the chance. But really, I mean, you're shoveling the puck into the top corner. What's he going to do? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, you notice he was right there, like I said, up against the post, and you're, you can't extend your shoulder that high. You know, that space is always there. It makes me excited because it validates me only slightly from last year when I kind of went off the board on this podcast and predicted that Svechnikov would win the Rookie of the Year. Ah, That was my pick last year for Rookie of the Year, and I drafted him in fantasy. He's looking pretty good this year. Well, he's really talented, man. Like he, He's often the one player on the ice that you definitely notice. Oh, yeah. He's, he stands out. Like he him, him and Ajo are probably the two guys that I notice the most. Uh, even though Sveshnikov, I know, is kind of 
been up and down the lineup, uh, at least last year for Carolina. But uh, big win last night there for the Carolina Hurricanes over the Calgary Flames. Uh, brought back uh, the storm surge, of course, and uh, we're handing out a little candy there for the kids in the stands. I love that. I thought it was their best one. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, last year they weren't doing it at this time, right? It was. It, it came later, didn't it? I can't, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, apologies for sounding like idiots because we don't know, but I don't recall it. Either let's go. Either they weren't doing it, or it wasn't like you know in the media. Or something. Right, it was. But that wouldn't big. make sense. It would have been all over Twitter. Anyways, I don't remember any kind of Halloween related storm surge that they. I did. don't remember a themed ones. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. But I mean, it, it was actually a lot of fun. Did you see Jake Gardner on the bench? He was just like having a time. He was like, loving it. Yeah, he was loving it, man. Jake good. Gardner could really use some positivity, right? <laughs> yeah, good for Jake Gardner, actually. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was really cool. You know, speaking of Halloween, you got Halloween plans. It's coming up. It's tomorrow night. Well, I already ripped it up at a Halloween party last Saturday, so okay. I think that was the extent of my plans. But I was kind of, I was kind of scolding myself and my wife, uh, I guess yesterday and today about how we never seem to be on the ball for Halloween. Like we might get a pumpkin, you know, carve it up, some pumpkin seeds. But I'm fucking big on Halloween. Like I really like it. My mom used to go all out. We used I to remember. have the, like the haunted house thing, I remember. And scaring the shit out of the neighborhood kids every year. It was a lot of fun when I got older and I'd stay at home and just scare people and basically. Help, yeah, yeah. But she gave away all those decorations like to one of my cousins. So what? Yeah, You're her she, son. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why weren't those bequeathed upon me? Like, what is the deal? <laughs> So I, I did ask her about like fucking decorations. Yeah, she doesn't have very much left. So I was saying to my wife, we gotta start start building up the the supply. Like maybe hit up some some of the fifty percent off shit after Halloween. Start building it up because I'm sick of not decorating and having jack shit. And yeah, I got some candy for kids, but. That's about it. And we don't get a ton in my neighborhood, but you I think eh? if you don't decorate, they fucking walk right by anyway. Yeah, true. See, and I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I'm, I was listening to Howard the other day and Howard was going off on how he hates Halloween. Like, I don't want to have to get up off my couch every five seconds just to go look at some butterfly or ladybug or whatever he was saying. I'm driving along in my car and I'm like, I, I agree. Like, I do like Halloween. I do. I agree with you. I think it's a good time. If I was able to get myself out into some, you know, some par- parties at the bars or something. I think it would be a good time. I do enjoy dressing up. I do a great Ron Burgundy. I've been Ron Burgundy for Halloween on several occasions <laughs> because it's just believable. Repeat I, costume. It is. It's a great repeat costume and I have a great time. I often get free drinks. I, I got a free scotch at the bar the one oh. time I went. I well, said, I'll have your That makes it worth it right there. It paid for itself. Yeah, but then it was awful. Like, I didn't oh, like it. Oh, you didn't like the scotch. Oh, I was 23. Because you're not Rod Burgundy. <laughs> no, exactly. And I was 23 or something. So oh, I was like, I was like, mm-hmm, here goes the scotch down into my belly mm-hmm, and almost fucking threw up all over the place because it was disgusting. I wasn't ready for it at all. <laughs> you but, thought you thought you were like, yeah, you ever remember? I'm sure everyone remembers the first time you have like scotch and, and try it and even smelling it. It's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. No, I, what didn't, is that? I didn't do any of that. Yeah. I just took it and You just took it. it like a man. I downed it, too, because Attaboy. that's what he does in the movie. Ah, so you were playing the part, too. I asked for a double scotch like Ron Burgundy would have it, and he. I said, I think I said something like, because you know how I like it. it I, I stayed in, in character all night. Uh, one of the years, we had the full Channel 4 news team, which oh, was nice. pretty fucking awesome, and I did the uh, Afternoon Delight song at Eastside Mario's. <laughs> <laughs> at like twelve thirty in the morning, wow! Right at the bar, and there was like a bunch of people around. Gonna grab my baby, gonna hold her <laughs> tight, and it was just epic. But 
Yeah, as far as kids coming over, I want to see my niece and nephews, and that's it. And luckily for me, we live in a, not in the middle of nowhere, but... Very rural area. Rural. The driveway is a kilometer yeah. long. Even if a lot of kids were trick-or-treating around here, your house is too scary for them to approach. It is too scary. That's what yeah. I was saying earlier. Make it down I, that driveway... That's scary. But we could have a... But you could have a wicked setup if you wanted to go all out. Oh, boy. Fucking graveyard out front, you know? Maybe just people fucking <laughs> dig a couple holes there, come, come crawling in. out of the ground. You know, come on in, yeah. sweetie. We'll have, to, we'll have to consider that. Consider that. Okay, next year, Pucks in Deep uh, Halloween. Oh, speaking of uh, Pucks in Deep shit, before we go any further, um, there's listeners out there, and I'm talking to all of you. I got like... I got good response, let's go, on people that want to buy shirts. Get some requests. They like the logo. But eh? they want to buy the shirts. All right. Well, we're, we're working on it. We'll, we'll let you guys know. We'll keep you guys posted. But we do have something in the works here. I know we brought the logo out this year, and there's some uh, been some ideas on Pucks and Deep swag percolating between the two of us. Well, so. it started with you nailing the logo. That's where it started. Full props. Nailed the logo. I got unprovoked messages from guys that want to get some swag. And I was saying to my one buddy, golfing with Farrell, I said, you want to wear some Pucks and Deep swag? I'm thinking about, like, would you wear it? And I'm kind of asking him, like, a tentative bitch. I'm like, would you wear it, you know? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, obviously, he's like, and I wouldn't just take it out. I would buy it. Like, I would, I would buy it. Support well, buying it. is important. And I was like, what? Well, I was just anticipating that this was going to be another chunk of change, like the fucking mixer board right here in front of me or the yearly subscription to be on SoundCloud. We're not, we're not Coors Light. We can't just give away free shit in the case of beer here. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But, <laughs> but I okay, well, stay tuned for that, folks. We're, we got some stuff in the works. So if you're interested, shirts, hats, shit like that, we got it going. Yeah. And let us know if you want to tweet at us. Uh, let us know if you're interested, what kind of shit that you'd like to see, because I am going to go down and talk to those fancy people that put logos on shit as well so i don't know like some fancy ass stuff could be coming our way i think it's going to be an exciting time for big, the pucks and d podcast because we need more upgrades. exposure you guys got to fucking help us build the brand build we got to build the brand and you know what helps building the brand having a guy like tyler mataraz on the show three times this will be his third time we're going to have him on the show later on uh in the segment uh really looking forward to it let's go you know, he's such a sharp, sharp dude. Eh? Like he's on top of it. We already talked about it before and he has to talk about it on the daily. So he's pretty much locked and loaded anytime you ask him a question. Yeah. And if you guys want, you can check out Tyler Madras on channel 91 Sirius XM in the mornings, uh, basically doing a recap show of everything that went on in the NHL the night before. So it's a great way to catch up. If you can't get uh, to watch the highlights, you can uh, kind of hear the, the analysis from the guys in the morning. World Series. You watching tonight? I think I'll have to tune in. I mean, it's Game, it's game 7, World Series, and uh, there's a lot at stake. You got a Cinderella story, too, which everyone's a big fan of. So I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be worth my time. Game 7 anything will get my attention. Game 7 pickleball in southern Illinois or Louisiana, I guess would be a better example. I, that would have my full attention because there's just nothing like being up against the wall. Dude, both teams are up against the wall in Game 7. It's weird because you can say both teams have a chance to win it. And then the other guy, the glass half-empty guy, can say, yeah, but both teams are up against the wall. And both guys are correct. It's just such a, it's such a, a fantastic dynamics in sports, that Game 7 winner take all. 
Well, there's a shitload of pressure too because considering the Nats were up a couple and then now we've got, uh, you know, Houston who had the pressure of they should win. You know, they were pegged as the favorite, right? So I, I really like the winner takes all and, and to have a game with this much weight on it, you can't beat it in sports. All right, my man. So let's get right down to it. Uh, we'll take our listeners around the boards here with a couple of stories that we want to talk about. Uh, and then we're going to take a fiver and we'll get Matarazz. We'll tee up the Matarazz interview and get that going in our second segment. So um, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one, Lesko. I normally throw it to you, but I, I was really uh, not like moved or, or touched or anything, but I, I, I was really drawn. That's the word I'm looking for. I was really drawn to the Max Domi book release. Um, I feel my level of attention on it might go as far as to say I'm, I might pick up a copy of the book and I'm not a big book buyer. It might be a good stocking stuffer for someone. That's a good Christmas gift, I guess. Anyone out there that buys me Christmas gifts can take note of that. Um, but basically it's a book, uh, it's called No Days Off and it's basically the story of Max Domi uh, living with type 1 diabetes and how you can achieve your goals and your dreams still while dealing with that in your life. Um, have you heard anything about it as well, or is this is this all me? I saw the story they ran on the weekend there, where they little segment about his dog. Eh, yeah. his, his, his dog basically can alert him when his sugar is like without him having to like stab himself with those those uh, little testing devices to check his sugar. Yeah, that's I thought exactly. that was really fascinating, and uh, um, I thought it was interesting they had a book out too because typically what you see um, in in sports, not just in hockey, is that. The books come out when you've been retired for several years and you've got a, a good story to tell. I mean, most of the hockey books I own, like I've got the Probert book and I'm interested in picking up the Grim Reaper's new book as well. Nice. Um, you know, just some of those guys who played in a different time and, and giving you an overlook of their career. So I think it's kind of unique for Domi to have a, a, a book at this early in his career, but he does have a, a, a interesting story to tell and and it can be inspirational for people who are, you know, not just dealing with diabetes, but other, um, you know, medical hindrances throughout their lives. Yeah, of course. Um, the main thing I think that that I was drawn to in this story was about the dog. You talked about the dog. Um, so he has a Labrador. And as you mentioned, the lab is trained to sense high sugars or low sugars in his blood. I don't know much about it. You'll have to forgive my ignorance. But basically, the dog is able to save his life. To a small degree or to a large degree. He's able to save his life. In public, he wears something on his waist. If something's going wrong, the dog rips the thing off his pocket. Oh, yeah. You know, very cool. And I understand that dogs can be trained and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just a huge dog lover myself. Yeah, big dog people and, here. Yeah, and Max was on, uh, again, serious. When I was um, driving home from work, he was on. And he was talking about dogs. He's, he just said, he said, like, I come home every day. After work, you have a bad day at work, you have a bad day or a bad game, you know, as an athlete, you walk in through the door and the dog is just so excited to see it. There is no judgment. There's no stress. There's no anger. The only emotion is literally happiness and joy and love. And you can't get that anywhere else. You can't buy it. You can't find it. You can find it in another person. Okay. I get that. You can find a, a, a husband or wife and be married to that person. But even still, yeah. But even then, yeah. Even that's, then, that's that's where dogs are, are the best, right? Because you could come home from murdering twelve people, <laughs> and the dog, would, hey, like super stoked to see oh you, my right? God, what an the analogy! Do dogs do not judge. Like as soon as you walk in that door, that dog is jumping up on you, licking your face. 
he has no idea that you just killed a bunch of people or that you're like, you know, that you're Donald Trump or whoever you are, right? Okay, so okay. <laughs> that's the best for dogs. I mean, I've been a dog person for, I guess, better part of like eight years of my life now that I've had them. And, yeah. uh, you know, I it's almost like going forward, you can't imagine not having not them. Having them you yeah. dread the day that you'll ever have to let any of them go. So it's it's uh, it's definitely quite the connection you can experience. And you could imagine the connection that a guy like Domi has with his dog when you know, any, any service dog, really, um, it, just quickly, there's an, a really good documentary on Netflix, uh, about them training service dogs for the blind, basically right when they're puppies, like they have a, a batch bred and then they, they have a, like a, a program and only, I think two of the six of the litter, um, make it, make it. Yeah. Like, cause they have to be perfect. They have to be bang on. And they put them through a, a very interesting series of tests before they get hooked up with an owner. But it's just amazing to see how important and groundbreaking it is to these people who do end up with the dogs. Cause oftentimes they've been waiting for them for several years. Yeah. Very true. Eh? Like they're in desperate need of some assistance. And then all of a sudden it's not just, it's not just assistance. It's your assistant. Like your dog is going to control your life now because that's how smart they are. That's how dedicated they are. Uh, and just quickly before we move on, just want to give a little shout out while we're on the dog topic, actually. Uh, friend of the show and uh, guest on the show, Cody Jacobs. Cody, we're thinking of you, buddy. Uh, his his big lad, Moose, is uh, going through some difficult times right now. He thinks it's going to be right around the corner when, he, when he's got to say goodbye to Moose. So uh, your thoughts, uh, our thoughts are with you, Cody, and uh, hopefully everything goes well with you and Moose. He sent me a, a couple pictures there in the group chat. He's a good-looking boy. Big boy. Good, oh, yeah. good boy. Shout-out to my boy, uh, Vader, too. My buddy Mike's taking his dog for some pretty serious hip surgery, so we're hoping that he comes out on top of that. Uh, fuck, I lost one of my dogs last year, and it was just devastating. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. Might be a testament to how fucking cush and easy my life has been, but it was, it was <laughs> okay, fucking yeah. devastating losing my first dog, and, you know, I... I Never want anyone to have to go through such a thing. I know there always comes a time, but man, it was fucking tough. I uh, just got my dog, obviously, Archie, six months ago. Well, sorry, he is six months. I got him, whatever, four months ago. And uh, I might I might have to say goodbye to him tonight already, Lesko. Because <laughs> he ruined the doormat. Because he ruined the doormat. And here comes... Oh, actually, I thought that was Kirsty coming in, but oh. that's John. He's coming in to do some work on the... Uh, on the third floor, Adam. Yeah, come K- on in, John. You're Kirst- all good, buddy. Kirsty's gonna be pissed though. About I thought that it was. Mat. I thought it was Kirsty for sure. And once she sees that the doormat's gone, and I have to tell her that it's. What busy. did it say? It said "Home Sweet Home." Oh, you know, she, I know she bought that, and it wasn't you. Oh, what? Well, you think I'm gonna bu- fucking buy a doormat that it was says probably home like sweet sixty home? bucks? She bought too. it on Amazon. It was probably a hundred and seventy-five. Oh, fucking good dollars. God! I'm gonna not. have to. I'm gonna have to replace it. I hope not. All right. You want to bring it back to hockey? Yeah, back to business. Back to business. Okay, so a couple of pretty interesting healthy scratches lately, but unsurprising. Um, Bobby Ryan and Brent Seabrook were both in the news recently. Um, again, no surprise these guys are, are healthy scratches. You'd think given the contracts, you want to get as much as you can and play these guys as much as you can, but especially on two, well, I would say a team like Ottawa with Bobby Ryan's situation, it's not like they're a super deep team. So what kind of message do you think they're trying to send to a guy like him Sorry, I thought you were going to go on there for a second. Um, well, listen, man, the the contract is ridiculous. You're not you're not moving a Brent Seabrook anywhere, okay? 
And the what was the quote? Did I have that quote? Well, down? Yeah. So the quote that he uh, Seabrook said specifically when they asked him about it, he said, "I I feel." He said, "I think I feel great, and I think I have something to a lot to offer in this league, and still might be a good player for somebody." So it it sounds clear that the. Uh, Obviously, the Blackhawks are looking to trade him and may have been looking to trade him for quite some time. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I zoned in on the keyword being somebody. Right. So You if, don't say that you know, if you're not thinking about, hey, I'm throwing my line out there. And I'm telling you right now, Brent, that line, there's not even any fucking water. Well, the only chance it happens is salary retained because I'm sure he could provide value to somebody at... A retained salary, but then again, if he can't stay in the Blackhawks lineup, mind like their defense is is decent. I would give them that at least. But fuck, I would love Brent Seabrook from five years ago. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, of course, everybody would want it. Yeah, like he was unreal. I know he was always in the shadow of Duncan Keith a little bit, but uh, there was a time where you would put him in say the top ten in the league at oh, least. Well, because because he played with Keith, I, I agree and I understand your point about overshadow, but I think. I think that also simultaneously held him up and brought him up because right. because he was he was Keith and Seabrook. Yeah, I put him in that conversation. It did. Yeah, just like much the same as Chris Kunitz goes to the Olympics because of Crosby. Very similar. Uh, I think actually extremely similar. I know they're totally different positions. Kunitz is a very serviceable player. Uh, Seabrook, very serviceable player. But because of their partners in crime, they got elevated to another level. Yeah, he he's going to be a tough one to move, and you know, with your if you're the Blackhawks, you're pretty up against it as it is anyway. So, uh, trading a guy like Seabrook with retained salary probably doesn't sound very appetizing to them. But I'm very surprised that the Senators have not been able to move Bobby Ryan because they have the cap space to retain a shitload of that. I don't know if there's a, an actual limit on how much you can retain, but you'd figure they would take as much as they could if they really wanted to unload them. But the other um, the other thing that about Ottawa is that I don't think they necessarily have someone to, you know, jump in there and fill a spot. But you'd figure any younger guy getting some development is better spent than, uh, you know, paying Bobby Ryan seven mil to play in your third or fourth line. Yeah, and I mean, take it for what it's worth, but he, he, he's uh, accepting his role as a scratch player a little better than uh, Brent Seabrook is. Seabrook obviously vocal about it, saying, I don't like it. I don't want rest. I want to keep playing. I want to be traded, basically. Uh, Bobby Ryan, on the other hand, goes out, gets all the necessary equipment to be a bathroom attendant at the uh, team's Halloween party and was handing out towels and lotions to his teammates as they came out of the bathroom. That was hilarious. I don't... And he seemed like he was just like, yeah, you know, if I got to sit out. Like, he seemed very at peace with it because the best one was like, oh, do you... Uh, and I've, I've heard media members ask players this a lot, but, oh, is, is your contract bad? You don't like your contract. Yeah, He's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to say I don't like it because of the obvious. You make fucking shitloads of money. Yeah, well, to, they're, they're going after the whole Luongo thing, remember? Because he gave yeah. the audio clip of the decade when he said, my contract sucks. Right, <laughs> but that was a different situation where Luongo was still in the prime of his career and, and it was hard for him to to be traded when yeah, it was clear the team wanted to trade him. Yeah, very Whereas true. like Bobby Ryan's like, you know, my contract's the only reason why I'm probably still in the NHL at this point. Yeah. Hey, but a little credit to cre- where credit's due uh, to Bobby Ryan in this situation. He's not hurt. 
Yeah, he's not hurt and his hands are healthy and everything's good to go. Yeah. So actually, uh, we better not uh, count our chickens, Lesko. He was using his hands a lot to hand out lotions and soaps oh, and towels. He might have just broke his pinky finger yeah, on the way. you got to be careful out there. Um, now this contract, not sure how this one's going to age either. Uh, Roman Yossi received a huge extension from the Nashville Predators um, with all that cap space. I guess they freed up when they got rid of Suvan, but... Uh, $72 million over eight years, which works out to just over $9 million a year. 9.059 as well. Yeah, is this a thing now? I, it, I've it's noticed a, a lot. Is that just... Matthews, a, Marner. Is that just another like hockey player superstition type Crosby, deal? I don't know. Didn't Dreisaitl do it too? I, a bunch of guys did it. And I think Crosby was one of the first guys Crosby to do it that I first. can recall. Yeah. Yeah. On that wicked contract he's on. But uh, it is weird. It, uh, it's a no brainer, I think, for the Predators to lock him down, of course, especially after they moved on from Subban. Um, you know, I'm still worried, though, because is he a few years from being another type Subban situation where you're like, fuck, I'd really like to get out from underneath this. I mean, clearly they moved on from not just Subban, but Weber as well. And a lot of it sounds like it was contract motivated. Well, the reason why I feel a little more at ease with a Roman Yossi um, eight year extension, how old is this going to take him to his mid thirties? He'll be 34, 35, let's go. Maybe uh, by the time the contract is over. Here's why I'm a little bit higher on this one. Yossi is a phenomenal skater. Like one of the one of the best parts, if not the best part of his game is his skating ability. So if you're telling me that, you know, he'll get slower, I guess, then I still think that I'm okay with that because a, a, a slightly slower Roman Yossi is probably still going to be as mobile and agile as some of the other you know, eight or $9 million defenseman in eight years from now. Very important point there. He'll be making right. nine. He'll be making 9.059. Some other second line top four D man is going to be making 10 and a half. And he won't even be Yossi. I don't think maybe, I guess, you know, it, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I guess they got Ryan Ellis on a pretty good contract as well, considering what he's bringing for the Predators this year. Uh, you want to talk big money defensemen, though. Let's move on to San Jose. They just come off a terrible road trip. Five-game road trip uh, just came to an end. Uh, they got dummied by the Leafs. They got dummied by Ottawa. They got dummied by Boston, I believe, as well. Did they beat Montreal? They beat Montreal. They beat Montreal, yeah. so they managed and, to get one there. And Buffalo. They but lost other than that, well. like... Martin Jones and uh, was Aaron Dell getting absolutely shellacked out there. Uh, Eric Carlson doesn't seem like the same guy. As far as his ability to move the puck, he is, but his 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 mobility is not what it once was. He always stood out to me as like this phenomenal skater, and him and Brent Burns log a shit ton of minutes out there, but. It, I, I, I don't see him bringing the same off level of offense to the table that he once did. I think the Eric Carlson contract is definitely going to be up there. When it's over, by the time it's done, it may be up there in terms of one of the worst one of the worst contracts in NHL history. Let's hope not, you know, and I was one of the people I think that bet on Carlson saying like, yeah, he's going to he, he'll return to form, he'll, be he'll get it going, but I just don't see it yet. And, you know, he talked a lot coming into this season about 
Um, having a difficult time adjusting last year to the situation in San Jose. He's never had a supporting cast like he does currently. And, you know, like I say, he's not necessarily the guy like he always was in Ottawa with, uh, you know, he's almost a step behind Brent Burns um, just because Brent Burns does it all. Right. But that team's a little older, a little slower. Um, what a fucking boring game they had against the Leafs the other day. I remember you texting me about midway through the second period just saying, this is fucking boring. <laughs> I did, yeah. And then they finally opened it up. Muzzin <laughs> scored that nice goal at the end of the second, and then yeah. the Leafs tore it up in the third. Uh but just not just very quiet offense out there. Like, and I, I think we talked about this the other week. They seem like a different team without uh, Joe Pavelski as well driving that offense. Well, Joe Pavelski made the decision of his career to get out of that fucking shit show. I mean, four eight and one on the season, like you said, one three one on the recent road trip. I think they're toast, man. I, I don't. It's hard to imagine in my mind that this team, from what I've seen, and I'm not proclaiming to have seen a ton of games, but I do watch as much as I can from all these teams, so I've got a decent handle on what I'm saying into this microphone weekly. They don't look good at all. Like, they look discombobulated. They're all over the place. They're, I, I don't see... It's kind of hard sometimes, let's go to see structure. It's like oxygen. We know it's there, but we can't see it. We know that there is structure in NHL, but sometimes it's hard to see it. It's not that difficult to see no structure for the San Jose Sharks, dude. They're all over every zone. You got the fucking wingers on the other side. You got the defender, a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic, who's been such a stalwart defenseman for the Sharks for so many years, is, 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 is he looks out of place. They all look out of place and they're all good players. And dude, you said it, they're getting old. So that means, guess what? They have league experience. There's no reason for them to be playing this fucking terribly, man. They are a good team. They have what it takes. The problem is that they're old. And then the bigger problem after that fact, Lesko, is that they're cap committed for a really long time. Yeah, and I think the obvious answer, and it has been for a while, I mean... If they're if they're outscoring the problems, as the saying goes, it's outscoring their number one problem, and that's their goaltending. They're still getting brutal goaltending from Jones and Dell, um, and it's almost like it's hitting a breaking point because it seems that so far they've not been good enough to mask that issue. Whereas it hasn't necessarily held them back in the the last couple of years. Uh, so unless they figure it out just uh, offensively, because there's no help coming in goaltending, you're going to have to fucking deal with it and hope that those guys uh, round out their games a little bit and uh, just give you better starts. You know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you on the goaltending. You are correct on that. But I think at some point, and especially, again, given what I've seen in some of these Sharks games, they are giving up some goals that are just disgustingly horrible. And it's not even Jones or Dell. It's, it, it, it's how did that even happen yes you have a last line of defense yes the goalie should be able to make more saves than he doesn't i get all that jazz but you can't be given up odd man rush after odd man rush and expect your goaltender to fucking bail you out play better hockey they are not playing good hockey they're getting shit goaltending and i think it's a combination the goalies aren't playing well the fucking team isn't playing well either so maybe i do bring my a game as aaron uh aaron dell or uh, martin jones maybe i do bring my a game tonight but the boys let me down. Yeah, and they have. We haven't even seen it yet. I haven't seen an A game or even a B game from either one of those goaltenders. You know, you're posting eight sixties, eight seventies, eight eighties. It's not good enough. It's that's significantly below league average, and we're talking like 
you know, third, third string numbers out of these guys. So uh, they most certainly have to be better if the Sharks are going to find some success. And for a game that you figure would have had a lot of offensive punch, that game against the Leafs was so goddamn boring on uh, on Friday. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats real quick, Lesko. Like, they, they've allowed 48 goals and scored 32. Yeah. So while I understand that 48 is high, 32 is embarrassingly low. For a team like the Sharks that is supposed to be good. I mean, you've got the likes of, uh, where is it? The Capitals. The Capitals have scored 54, but they've given up 46. So they're giving up a pile of goals, but they're also scoring them as well. Leafs are a good example. 49 and 49. 49 against seems awful. But 49-4 is fucking phenomenal. Leads the league. So there is some give and take with the Sharks. You can't pin all of this on the goaltending. I'm not going to let you. 32 goals for not good enough. Yeah, I think they got to find a little more offense, and it's like other guys got to step up to replace what left behind uh, by Joe Pavelski. Um, I know Evander Kane's putting up a couple goals, and Couture is, is, looks like he's coming around, but th- there's got to be more to it. And I know their forwards are not as deep as they were last year either, and it's, it's an adjustment period for this team. But you know, I'm not necessarily ready to write them off quite yet. I, I'm willing to give them you know, probably another month. Uh, and once we get a bigger sample size, perhaps we can make a better assessment as to what this team is. But geez, um, you're going to be in tough if you're Doug Wilson because this is probably a position he's not used to being in because typically he's swinging for the fences, making big trades, trying to put the team over the top. So if you're looking at a situation where, shit, this isn't working, you're going to have to some tough decisions to make. I mean, it's still early, Lesko. It's 4-8-1, and one, but... I still think much the same as we said on the last pod. I think I declared New Jersey to be a total write-off on the last pod. I still maintain that stance. I think come this week, I'm ready to throw San Jose into the same barrel. I don't I don't see a, a world where they pick it up and they are able to even make, man. Like, they're in such horrible shape. They're seventh out of eighth in the Pacific. Everyone thought that the Pacific was going to be garbage. Edmonton comes out firing. Vegas is doing well. Everyone kind of expected that. Anaheim is a bit of a shock, right? Arizona comes out and is doing well. 34 goals, 424 against. Like, there, you know what I mean? There's lots of pleasant surprise, even throw Vancouver into there. Calgary took a step back. You know, you got Calgary and San Jose down at six and seven in the division. No one expected that. I don't, I, I could really tell you, I don't expect either of those two teams. Um, at least one of those two teams is going to climb out of that hole. You think uh, they between are? Between Calgary and, so who are you uh, putting your stock in then? Well, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards Calgary a little more just because I give them the edge in the goaltending category. And I can't expect... Uh, I can't, can't be by a landslide. Yeah, and I can't think that Goudreau and Monahan are going to continue to be this quiet. And in the same breath, I got to say, I don't expect um, you know necessarily for Vancouver. I understand Vancouver is better and maybe I'm not giving them enough credit but I don't really expect them to maintain the pace, and I don't expect uh, Anaheim to do it either. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if you're a Sharks fan, we'll wrap this up real quick. Um, I guess if you're a Sharks fan, you're really hoping that they do turn it around right now because the problem is when you look around at your neighbors beside you, Calgary's got a great future. Uh, Vancouver's got a great future. Where are you sitting at, Sharks? 41.5 41.5 million. No, they're, they're built to win now. 41.5. Yeah, but hold on. Not just now, dude. 41.5 million is tied up in five players in 2025. Yeah. So, so that's what I meant when I said they're cap committed. They're really committed. Oh, yeah. I know the cap will go up and everything, but 
you can't tell me that an Eric Carlson $11.5 million contract deal is going to be okay to deal with later on. It's not looking good. That's it's for not. sure. All right, brother. So what are we thinking here? Do you want to hit anything else before we take our break? Uh, I guess we'll take our break. Uh, we'll do up uh, the interview with Mr. Tyler Madras of Sirius XM NHL Radio, and then we will go buds all day after that, uh, recap some of the recent news with the Maple Leafs. Hopefully not get too angry here. I think there were some positives. Maybe we'll do a little positive guy, negative guy here in the next segment. Oh, I'm okay with that. All right. All right. We'll uh, tee this up and be right back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. All right, so uh, we're live here with Tyler Madaraz from SiriusXM NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners tune in to that uh, fine radio station on a daily basis. I know I do. Uh, Tyler, the schedule has changed. Thanks for, thanks for joining us again here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Um, why don't you update the listeners on your availability and when they can hear you down in Toronto? Yeah, so uh, my whole schedule pretty much got flip-flopped. I'm used to... Uh, watching the games at SiriusXM almost every single night, but uh, took on the morning shift this year. So those uh, 5 a.m. wake-ups are a bit different than going to sleep around 3 a.m., but uh, adjusted pretty well. Uh, I'm on every morning, obviously Eastern time. We're in the Eastern time zone, but uh, the whole hour from 7 to 8 a.m., uh, it's me, Gord Stellick, and the producer of the program, Mike Lepa. We just go through the games from the night before, chat a bit, about the games coming up we just have fun it's pretty fun uh so that's monday to friday and then i don't know if you guys have listened to uh, the fantasy show yet with myself jay con and boomer uh that's every friday at one o'clock to two and for me that's the funnest part of the week uh, a lot of fantasy talk and uh my fantasy teams maybe josh haven't started off so good i think you're in one of the leagues i'm in but uh yeah. that's a fun hour on fridays yeah it is actually i look forward to it every week um i try to do a little bit of fantasy here uh, on the podcast for the listeners and it's it's difficult not to just like regurgitate what I'll hear from you guys but oftentimes I'm doing my own homework on you know scheduling and whatnot and it, sometimes it's just so obvious when there's a change that you should be making in your lineup and then all of a sudden there comes the show on Friday and I'm like oh I'm gonna say this on Monday but whatever <laughs> yeah it's like you were picking up senators players last week even though they suck and then this week you're like, why am I keeping this guy? He has one game. Like, they have one game this week. Like, it's just little things, right? I actually enjoyed the uh, morning show that you guys are doing now, Tyler. I've uh, been listening to that on the way to work. Good way to catch up on last night's action. Yeah, oh, it's great, man. The morning show has been going uh, really well. Glad you guys can listen because it's super early in the morning if you're in the Eastern time zone. Uh, but it's fun, man. Like, you're pretty much just chatting with your buddies, like, at the bar, it feels like. I know it's super early in the morning, but... Uh, once you're used to waking up that early and you've caught up on what's gone on and, and got some sleep and got a coffee and you, it, it's not bad. Eh? You know, I'm not going to ever complain because I'm off work now, like super early from Monday to Thursday. So got a lot of more free time during the day to, uh, to do whatever. And free time to work on some recipes. You're whipping up something tasty tonight. What are you, Gordon Ramsay or what? Oh yeah. Just call me guy, uh, guy Fietti Jr. No, I, uh, <laughs> I've been uh, I've been cooking a bit. Like, might as well, right? Like, don't let the girlfriend do all the cooking when she gets home from a hard day's work. So, uh, always get some brownie points, as you boys wow. probably know, if you uh, have dinner ready, you know. And a goddamn gentleman to boot. That's good use <laughs> of your uh, newfound free time, right there. Just 
bringing up your boyfriend game a few notches. All right, well, listen, we don't have much free time, so Tyler, let's just go rapid fire here. We got a th- couple of things for you. I said to Lesko, this guy has to give his take on everything every morning. So he, he's got his take loaded in a barrel and ready to fire. So um, tell me right now, my favorite thing about uh, our timing here, Tyler, is you were on the podcast for the first time almost a year ago. Uh, it was November 28th when you, when you joined us. And we asked you at that time if the Buffalo Sabres were for real. I believe at that time they were either on a nine-gamer or in the midst of their 10-game winning streak, and, and you had proclaimed correctly that they were not for real. And I'm wondering if you may have a different position this time around. Yeah, I'd love to have a different position for you guys and have a different opinion on the Sabres, but I know they're doing great. I know they're, what, five points ahead of the Leafs right now in the standings. They just, I just don't buy it. Like, Ralph Kruger has been great. Don't get me wrong. Jack Eichel's playing like a Hart Trophy candidate, and I just feel like they're rolling on all cylinders right now. But I think the Buffalo Sabres, once again, it's sad to say if they're Sabres fans out there, but I think they come back down to earth just a little bit. You know what? It's good for the NHL when a team like Buffalo, who has like a crazy fan base, if you guys have seen a game at Key Bank Arena, like those fans are absolutely nuts. So it's fun when they're doing well, but I've watched some of the games. They've impressed me a little, but honestly, I still don't see them making the playoffs. So yeah, I don't think they're uh, for real. And king cans are like six bucks at the arena as well. Yeah, super cheap, eh? <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, I thought uh, I wasn't too sure what you'd say, and I wasn't sure if your opinion changed, and I have a hard time revising my opinion on the Sabres as well just because there's not been a lot of change overall to that roster. Like you said, Ralph Kruger seems to be the obvious kind of choice for what has changed in that locker room. Oh, without a doubt. Like what Ralph Kruger has done through – 12, 13 games, whatever it's been for Buffalo, has been remarkable. Like They still haven't lost in regulation at home, which is nuts. Like The Sabres, they've been good at home in the past couple of years, but they haven't been this good to start a season. So you even hear players, if you listen to some post-game from Eichel and whoever that gets interviewed after the games, no one's ever saying anything bad about Ralph Kruger. Like, you're not getting any Jason Zucker-type situations where he's kind of calling out his head coach and Bruce Boudreaux. Like, that is not happening whatsoever with Ralph Kruger, Kruger and yeah, it didn't work out in Edmonton for him a while back when he got fired on Skype, but it's working so far in Buffalo early on. We'll see if they can continue it, though. All right, so um, speaking, you brought up Edmonton. Let's fly out there then. Um, what's going on with the Oilers right now? I mean, I know sample sizes are small and you can't be having knee-jerk reactions, but four out of the last five losses, McDavid and Dreisaitl factoring in on 850,000% of all the goals. Uh, what exactly are we seeing? Are we seeing the Oilers revert, much like you're thinking the Sabres might revert, or is this just a bump in the road for a better team? I I think this is the perfect mirroring situation in the East and then over to the West. Like Edmonton Oilers have two great players. Like you can argue these are two of the best players in the world. Like obviously McDavid is, but Drysaddle's proving that he's one of the best in the NHL already after what a 50 goal season last year. But it's the same thing. Like you guys really buy that Nico Koskinen and Mike Smith are going to bring this team to the playoffs, especially if they're not getting any other scoring from any other players? There's no chance. Like, McDavid and Drysaddle can only take you so far, and we all as hockey fans want to see them in the playoffs. But, boys, like, if, if they're not getting any scoring from lines two, three, and four, and Mike Smith can't keep you in games at times, like, there's no chance for the Oilers. And if you're an Oilers fan, yeah, it looks great that you're in first right now in the division, but it's like Buffalo. I, I don't buy it with Edmonton. I don't know how you guys feel about it. 
No, I think I feel kind of similarly, and we were talking about it a little bit last show, that I'm not completely sold with two teams that have been basement dwellers for so long. Um, someone who's uh, really up on the rise right now, though, is the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I think everyone was pretty high after what they showed us in the playoffs last year, and looks like they've uh, shown us once again this season. And lately, they've been getting it done without Rantanen, and now without Landeskog. Um, what do you think it is about the Avalanche that has allowed them to pers- persevere with those injuries? I think it's a lot to do with goaltending. Like, how good has Philip Grubauer been? And speaking about fantasy off the top, this is a guy that I look to get in every single draft I was in. It's a lot to do with goaltending, a lot to do with really good players. I know Rantanen's out, and now the captain is out as well. But when you still have Nathan McKinnon in your lineup, even Nazem Kadri's looked pretty good so far, and we all know how good their blue line is. It's just a really good team that's been put together over the last few years. They've had to wait on a couple prospects. They've come into the lineup. But without those two big guys in the top line, like, we'll see. Can Donskoy, McKinnon, and Kadri work as a line? Like, Bednar's trying Nazem Kadri as a left winger to start, so we'll see if that line can even work because looks like Rantanen's still week to week and looks like Landis Cogdell out for a while. Yeah, Rantanen being out is uh, really affecting me in, in fantasy. Uh, you know, you, you talk about fantasy. Let's stay there for a moment, uh, Tyler. I know a lot of our listeners are big fantasy players. Um, you know, speaking from a fantasy perspective, uh, who would you say at this point has been a, a real positive surprise for you versus a real negative surprise for you? And I apologize if, apologize if I'm putting you on the spot, but I feel you got a good no. handle on it. Yeah, no, I'll start with the negative because it's funny. I was listening to Boomer and Jake today, and I was in my car almost talking to my own radio, agreeing with them because, like, I have Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau on the same team. Like, I drafted oh. them both. I was excited. Monahan scored two goals in his first two games, and you're thinking, all right, the Flames. Like, the, those two guys are going to start lighting it up. But, like, what are they doing? Like, Monahan's been a ghost. Like, Gaudreau has been terrible. Like, they have that game where I think they put five goals in, maybe six. They got up to a shootout. I think they lost 6-5 in that game. And th- they, those guys had one point combined. So those are the biggest disappointments for me so far. I was excited to get uh, both Monahan and Gaudreau. Uh, also, I'll even throw another negative in there. I don't know if you guys drafted this guy, but Shane Goss' bear has been absolutely brutal. Like, absolutely brutal. It's tough to, to drop a guy uh, whose name is Shane Goss' bear because he's been so good. But uh, I think Shane Goss' bear, for me, has been another negative. Uh, I've had a lot of positives, though. Uh, I think Philip Grubauer, I just spoke of, has been a positive. And until Mika Zibanejad got injured a few days ago, uh, in that Rangers game, like, how good has Mika Zibanejad been? I think I got him in, like, might have been the fifth round in one of my drafts, so uh, he's been good. And another guy I kind of took a shot on, I hope one of you guys got him, uh, was Nikolai Ehlers. Had a big performance the other night and uh, has pretty much been the main source of offense for the uh, the struggling Jets as we speak. So I'd say the positives so far are uh, Ehlers and Zibanejad for me. Yeah, I think Sidbanagin has been like incredibly impressive right now. Um, one player I wanted to ask you about is uh, what happened with Nikita Gusev uh, over in New Jersey. Everybody was really overhyping this guy. He got a decent contract in that trade. Um, you know, people were talking about him like he's going to be the next Kucherov or something. I know that's a little high, uh, high praise and high expectations. But uh, well, what do you think's happened so far with him in New Jersey? Yeah, he hasn't been able to get his feet wet. It looked good, right? Like. He scored in their first game. I think he scored three goals so far, and now we're hearing that tonight, actually, that he's going to watch the game from the press box with Patrick Elias. Not a bad guy to watch a game with because he's a legend, and 
uh, could be a Hall of Famer in, in his future, but it uh, looks like John Hines wants Gusev to... You guys have heard it with players, like young players, even though he's not that young, they go up to the press box, kind of watch the game from up there. I just think he hasn't been able to translate his game properly to the NHL level. I, I heard John Hines doesn't like his defensive play either, but it's funny you, you mentioned him, Adam, because this is a guy... I missed out on him in one draft, and then I reached for him in my other draft. I think I took him in like the seventh round, a uh, couple couple rounds too early. Just <laughs> I'm a big European guy. I'm a big Russian hockey fan. So uh, I wanted Gusev on one of my teams, but it's almost a guy like some of those big names guys. If you drop Gusev, he'll start playing well. He'll burn you when someone picks him up. So it's almost a guy that I'm stuck with for the whole season, but I'm still optimistic. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's got zero points, you know. I mean, uh, he's found the back of the net at the NHL level. He'll be able to do it again. Um, what I was reading today, Tyler, was that they were kind of uh, comparing the situation to Malkin when Malkin uh, has been watching from the press box during his injury. He has uh, come out and said that he understands the way the team likes to play and is excited to get back in there because of his ability to watch from a bird's eye view and see plays develop and whatnot. So that kind of opened my eyes to the ability for a scratched player to kind of see the game from uh, not at ice level and be able to adjust. Yeah, it's funny. Like I'm not in the NHL, but I've been injured now for four or five weeks in my men's league. Like it's just men's league hockey, but just going to the games and like watching from the bench or in the stands, like it's brutal. You want to get out there with your teammates and for Malkin, like, how many times has he had to do this now over his career? Like, he's been injured so many times, but those guys are just itching to go, and sounds like Malkin could be ready this weekend. I hope he is. I want to see Malkin back. I don't have any fantasy implications with him. I don't have him on my teams, but it's fun when Evgeny Malkin's healthy and contributing to the Penguins' offense. They, they broke out the other night against the uh, the Flyers. Imagine he was in that game. They, they probably could have had 9 or 10. Yeah, they absolutely laid the beat down to the Flyers last night. And um, I'm really hoping to see Malkin come back. He's uh, been a keeper of mine for a couple of years right now in fantasy. So I was a little concerned when they didn't place any timeline on his return. Um, talking about another Russian here right now and get you on to uh, some Leaf stuff and see if we can get you to put on a homer hat here for a moment. But... Um, Last night's game, uh, all this story, all the talk on TSN and the stations was these comments that, you know, I thought were a little innocent that came from Ovechkin talking about having to change the way they play if they want to win and how young and inexperienced they are. Uh, Now, was this more of a media-driven story, do you think? And uh, what did you think of the comments? Yeah, big time. I think it was media-driven. It's funny that Ovechkin comes out and says that, and when you're in this Toronto market, like, stuff's going to get blown out of proportion, and... Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there was like a montage made of all the Leafs, including Babcock's like comments on the situation. It was quite funny how a lot of them answered. But I was at the game actually last night against Washington, was sitting up in the nosebleeds, and right away, like Morgan Riley takes that, I don't know if you guys remember, he takes that cross-checking penalty early on. It kind of seemed like a response to those comments, just like, oh yeah, like you're going to kind of call us out as a team. Uh, I'm going to show that we're maybe a bit more aggressive, and, and you know what, don't take any shit from anyone. And Riley did that, and then Frederick Gauthier, well, he would have got his ass beaten down by Tom Wilson, but at least he stepped <laughs> At least he, he stepped did something, in, right? Yeah, like, there was a response. It was nice. Yeah, he did something, right? Like, it's not like he dropped the gloves with Tom Wilson because that would just be a bad idea, but he stepped in, and not a lot of other people do that. Like, Austin Matthews had to pretty much step up for himself in that Montreal Canadiens game last Saturday, and no one stepped up for Matthews when he got hit by Brendan Dillon. Like, you, you just like to see some accountability and some stepping up from any team. Like, it's not just the Leafs. Like, 
if you're playing your own hockey or you're, you're watching a Coyotes game, like someone takes a huge hit, you kind of want to see someone step in. I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of clean hits and then a big response in a fight, but you just like to see some emotion, you know, and, and the Leafs, we've all been watching them all season. Like they have none of that, right? Like they have none of that. Yeah, it hasn't been going well. And again, uh, just last last couple here for you, Tyler. I know your dinner's almost ready, so we'll let you hustle off to that. But yeah, no, no worries. Um, as a Leaf fan, are like, wh- where are you right now? Where are you at personally? Like, what's going on here? There's a lot going on. Like uh, right now, I'm even considering. Like, I'm taking into consideration if they'll even make the playoffs at this point. Like, they're highly skilled, and you hear a lot of stuff in the media. You hear, you read a lot of stuff on Twitter from fans and. You guys have watched every game like I have. Like, they've been good. But I was even at that Sharks game. Uh, I think it was last Friday. Been getting lucky with tickets, boys. So Yeah, yeah like, oh, my continues. God. Been lucky, uh, boys. A couple free sets of tickets fuck, from man. somebody. So you ever, been you ever see my number in your phone? <laughs> no, oh, man. No, trust me. I've been getting lucky. These, I probably won't even go to another game all year. So uh, I've been getting lucky. But that Sharks game, like, the Sharks are a slower team. But, like, for the first 40 minutes of that game before Muzzin scored with, like, however many seconds left in the second period, like, the Leafs were brutal. Like, they couldn't get anything going against the Sharks. Like, the Sharks absolutely sucked against the Bruins last night. The Sharks sucked uh, against Ottawa a couple, like, last week or whatever it was. Like, they're a slow team. They're bad defensively. And Toronto, who has all these weapons, I know John Tavares is not in the lineup, couldn't even really get anything going until the third period. So, to me, it just wasn't a good sign. You can have all the $10, 11000000 million players in the world on your team, but... If they're not playing as a team, they're not going to win hockey games, and and they're going to struggle to make the playoffs, I think. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, I I think you're absolutely right about the lack of emotion. I mean, we've seen almost zero when it comes to, you know, unless they, unless, basically unless they're scoring goals. But um, it was really nice, I thought, to see some pushback in that game last night uh, in Washington. Um, you know, shout out Justin Hall for just pasting that guy to the boards on that. It turned yeah. out to be a brutal in- interference call, but... Uh, I digress. I was I was really impressed with them actually stepping up and showing a bit of physicality. Um, Morgan Riley logged what over thirty minutes last night in that game, and uh, unfortunate events led to that with Muzzin being out. Um, but Riley's missed, I think, the last four skates and practices uh, uh, down in Toronto. Uh, have you heard anything about him? And can you provide us with any updates? No, I, I haven't heard much. I uh, haven't heard anything at work. I've just been kind of trying to read some tweets about it like mark masters usually has some good quotes from mike babcock and and they're kind of they're not really saying much but like i get the feeling you guys probably get the same feeling that he's obviously dealing with something like he's dealing with an injury and he's not 100 percent. hey he played a lot of minutes last night as you said he looked pretty good but morgan riley just hasn't looked like the morgan riley we saw last year like yeah he's getting power play time blah 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 but Riley's clearly dealing with something. And now with this Muzzin-Charlie horse situation from Tom Wilson hit, like, they're kind of lucky they have a couple days off here before their game against the Flyers on Saturday, which I won't be going to, by the way. I might even be in Philly. But um, <laughs> hopefully Riley uh, hopefully Riley can just get healthy. Like, even if, to me, like, if Muzzin's healthy for the game on Saturday and you need Riley to sit a game or two, like, just do it. Like, it's this early in the season. You don't want players to, to aggravate injuries. All right, I'm not going to let you go without uh... – feeding the troll here and i guess the, in this instance the troll is me um where are you at uh in terms of uh, mike babcock the noise there's been some noise what's your thoughts 
Well, here, let me ask you, Josh. I've seen a couple of your posts, man. Where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the guest on the fucking show, Tyler. This is my yeah, show. True. I've just read a couple of your posts. I've laughed. They're funny. Uh, I don't know if I'm that... How do I wear this? I don't know if I'm that against him, like, as you are. Like, I know you... You're starting to despise Mike Babcock. That it's just what it just sounds like to me. Okay, but hold, uh, let me just interject real quickly. It's really not that much of. I realized it the other day. It's not that I dislike Mike Babcock personally or what he does as a coach. Nope. It's more that it's more that I'm. I believe that the rebuild is not going to be complete until Sheldon is coaching this team. It's his team, and it's being wasted on Babcock currently. That's my thought. Okay, see, I don't agree with that. Like, I still think they could do well with Babcock as the coach. I just think he, he's he got to get out of his ways. He's stuck in his ways. And a lot of older coaches or just, like, uh, the older generation in general, and I'm not calling out older people, but a lot of people in general are just stuck in their ways, right? Like, the it's NHL, true. as we know, is an old boys club, right? Like, a lot of businesses are old boys clubs. Like, just seems like that's what's going on with the Leafs. And Mike Babcock's so stuck in his ways where – he won't do this and he won't do that. And hey, when the power play is not working, are you telling the assistant coach? I think it's Paul McFarland now that runs power play. Like, are you telling him to do anything? Like, how brutal are some of those zone entries? Just the key on those. Like, teams know what you're going to do. Like, just do something differently. That's just one thing. But just to me, it seems like Babcock stuck in his ways. Do I want to see him fired? I think that's maybe where you're getting at. The answer is no. I'd, I'd kind of like Mike Babcock to stick around and coach this team and hopefully get them to the Stanley Cup final and see where it goes from there. So um, I'm still not too happy with some of the things that he does, but I still think the Leafs can get it done with him as a head coach. You got to think that there's a lot of uh, pressure coming from uh, within internally in the Maple Leafs organization on Ma- Mike Babcock, you know, to start to adopt uh, some different philosophies and maybe some some different ideas that they might be gleaning from the uh, bloated or vast analytics department that the Leafs employ now. Um, but I, I totally get what you're saying about that stuck in your ways because we see that with a lot of coaches, but they they remain in the NHL for years because, like you said, the NHL is an old boys club and but that's such a de- uh, a huge juxtaposition from a guy like Kyle Dubas who is really high on diversity and uh you know new ideas. I don't know, even Dubas seems like he's a young guy. He kind of seems stuck in his ways and maybe stubborn at times, but we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so I guess can't really comment uh, on that and and what he does behind the scenes to be the general manager of the Leafs, but they certainly like boys they have a lot to figure out like you got to get the team the team playing as one big unit they can't be playing as individuals and like i know matthews has looked great and and marner's putting up points but like how bad marner looked like seriously like guy just it's like he has heavy pocket syndrome after signing that contract like he has looked bad like maybe he's waiting for Tavares to come back hopefully that's this weekend or early next week but the least have to figure something out i, I think babcock's staying i think he's here to stay so stay sorry josh but I think Babcock is here to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, we'll see if he can take them back to the playoffs and at least get out of the first round. Hey, and maybe if they, maybe if he doesn't get out of the first round, guys, then maybe he's gone and we see Keith come up. But maybe we'll see where it goes. My goodness! I mean, you know, we can all agree though. There's really no right or wrong in this instance. It's just about what needs to change. So that's all I'm saying is I don't think he's going to change. That's my problem. I, I do agree with you. The talent is there. The team is there. There's nothing wrong with the team at all. I just think it's not being 
it's not being used correctly, I guess, at the end of the day. They got a Ferrari, they're driving a Chevette, you know? That's kind of what I'm yeah. seeing on a, on a nightly basis. Uh, and one perfect example is Tyson Berry, isn't it? Like, how perfect an example is that? Tyson Berry's in a contract year. He's looking to get paid. This guy's one of the best power play quarterbacks we've seen over the past 10 seasons in the NHL. One of the best offensive defensemen by far. Like, just watching him in Colorado over the past couple of years, some plays he makes are ridiculous. And Babcock, I know it's tough to put him out on the first unit, but just find a way to get it done. Yeah. Find a way to put him in better situations because that individual wants to get paid this summer. And if this continues for Barry and, like, puts up 20 points or something, which would be horrible, like, it's just going to screw his career. So just, like, that's one example where Babcock could certainly put him in a better situation. Well, maybe we get him on the cheap then. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe but like if this continues like why even keep him like i don't know why yeah. even keep him i agree with you on that too i i brought up uh last night in discussion with a buddy while i was watching the game we're like barry doesn't have points in 10 games like it just it seems so weird and he's been almost invisible but talk about trying to put the square peg in the round hole here where you're taking this guy who's one of the best offensive defense or sorry best offensive defenseman in the NHL as you said and yet Mike Bobcock's trying to make him into a shut shutdown guy with Muzzin it seems yeah it makes really no sense so if Bobcock wasn't so stuck in his ways we'd see Barry and Riley on the first unit and I, I hope you guys agree with this like keep the first unit on for the two minutes like oh, just look at what other coaches do time. like like, oh my goodness, like, Ovechkin stays on. Like, the big guys stay on. Crosby, for the most part, stays on. You know Connor McDavid staying on. Like, keep Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and even William Nylander on for the entire two minutes. Like, I was at the game yesterday, so it was frustrating. And even watching on my couch some nights, it gets frustrating. But, like, last night against the Caps, oh, they're coming off after a minute. And look who's coming on the ice. Jason Spezza. Like, it still looks like it's... It still looks like it's Thomas Buchanan coming on the ice, but I keep having to remember it's Jason Spezza, <laughs> and he can barely keep up with the play. So yeah. when you're co- making coaching decisions like that and putting Spezza on the second power play unit, and I know he kind of needs him in the lineup right now with some injuries, but that's just another example of some, some brutal coaching in my eyes. All right. Well, we'll end on that positive note. Positive for me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you love it. Eh? I do love it. Uh, listen, Tyler, thanks a lot for joining us again, man. Uh, I know we kept you a little bit later there. Sorry for that. But uh, – Go enjoy your uh, go enjoy your meal and try to uh, enjoy some Leaf games. Uh, I know I'm having a difficult time lately, but I think it's coming. I will, boys. Thanks again for having me on, and give me a shout whenever, man. I'm always happy to come on and, and make some time for you, boys. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Yeah, man. Cheers, guys. See you Cheers, later, buddy. All right, um, that was good, man. Uh, Tyler, like we said before, we had him on, and like we'll say a hundred more times. Hopefully, if he keeps joining us that many times, it'd be great. Uh, he's just such a good call, man. I mean, we can have him for an hour. We can have him for, in this case, I think we had him for about 25 minutes or so, almost a half an hour. Um, pretty solid, man. He's got a good handle. And I, I really did enjoy that last part there because as much as we like to talk to Tyler uh, Lesko about you know the NHL as a whole, we know that he's a Leaf fan and we know that he's a little bit shy to, you know, proclaim that uh to the serious radio listeners because most of the listeners hate the leafs <laughs> so yeah they don't a, spend time on them no that's for sure. it's a fine line well they do but they i say they treat them fairly if not a little bit less than the right. others and that must be a bit of a difficult thing for a big fan like tyler to do he's a toronto boy he loves the leafs so i think maybe we give him a little bit of an opportunity to get his voice out there as far as uh, the leaf fan is concerned yeah, and I think maybe the reason why Sirius XM kind of fucking caters 
the audience like that is I imagine if you want like your hardcore Homer talk and, and to listen to just Leafs, you're going to listen to one of the local stations in Sportsnet or TSN. If you're, yep. if you're on Sirius, it's because you want to get a bit of more of a picture of what's going on around the NHL. I know that's, that's why I'll, I'll turn it, tune into their programming is, is to kind of just catch up on what's uh, happening in the NHL. And uh, Tyler's doing a great job there on the morning show now and a uh, bit of a different schedule for him, but uh, I really like the direction that they're taking that. Yeah. I like how he was saying like, Oh yeah, it's a bit of a drag. And then at the end he goes, well, hold on, let me be honest here. It's still pretty good. Like, you know, if you're going to wake up that early in the morning and go till the fucking land or get up that early in the morning, have a coffee and shoot the shit about the game the night before, I think yeah. I know which one I would choose. Yeah. You're not making friggin' 10 cents an hour. In no some Chinese. Factory, well, I mean, so. he might, he might tell you he's making 10 cents on the hour, but, <laughs> but the point is he, he's in a, a business where he can obviously have a really good time doing that. So, uh, I, I'm a bit jealous of the guy and I'm really glad that he, uh, that I've got that connection with Tyler. I can probably call him a buddy of mine now. And that's a good thing. Um, friend of the show. He's killing yeah, it. He's killing the show. it. And you know what else is funny too, man? I was actually kind of uh, slightly flattered at the fact that he brought up my posts online. <laughs> so we, yeah, I have him on Facebook. Like we're Facebook friends or whatever. And so obviously I guess he uh, sees some of my comments. I get a lot of that from guys that I would have never even have guessed in a million years that they would care at all about what I have to say. One of them is a guy that I golf. I don't really golf with him, but he golfs at, at the same course as me. And we see each other often on the course and, and almost exclusively when, when we, you know, meet and Hey, how's it going, man? He goes, man, that thing you said to that guy the other day about that thing, like whatever it is, you know, like he just loves it. He yeah. says, man, I explicit, I explicitly go on Facebook to see what you're see saying. what kind of shit you're getting yourself yeah, so, into. So here's me though, thinking to myself, like, man, I should fucking tone this down a little bit, you know? Like, I'm kind of all over the place. This guy's just fucking feeding your fucking yeah, fire here. But like he said to me, and I appreciate it. He goes, "What I love about it," he says, "you don't go over the line." He says, "The other people will call you every name under the bridge, and they'll be chirping you and this and that." And you just stay on point. And then when you're done with them, you're done and you've won. <laughs> you just mop in their floor with their faces too, right? I guess. I mean, like, it's not like I'm out there to say, like, listen, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. I, I, people often... I thought that's why people argued online. But, people, but that's what people think about me often before they've had a chance to maybe meet me and understand. Because it's very difficult to convey tone via typing. Oh, yeah. That's, things, that's the worst know? thing. So, I mean... Everyone is being a snarky asshole, but you come off as one a lot easier than you might think, right? Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. It's very true. But yeah, I, I appreciated that fact because I don't, I don't go over the line. I like to make sure that I'm not like I, I might not be politically correct, but I'm not like you know people aren't scrolling by and going, oh my god, what an asshole. Yeah, I mean, you might be fucking trolling a little bit but you're not For being sure. a complete dick right no i'm not a complete <laughs> dick i'm not a complete dick and i do like to try and over the last i'd say over the last year or so i like to try and more so show the general public because i, I feel like i'm gaining a name for myself you know in the in the tsn and the sports nets uh, <laughs> I, they offer me they offer me the top fan badge every fucking minute <laughs> the top fan badge every minute what i what is that i don't know if tell you me what the top fan badge is okay so i if basically it's it's just based off the number of comments that you've made on posts for that um, oh, company so, you, so it's the keyboard warrior plaque sure but it would be like let's say i said glg on every single leaf post that they've ever posted for 4 years probably within 2 weeks 
maybe even two days because there's a lot of leaf posts within a week or so i'd probably get offered the top badge it's just because you comment a lot and it's just a little star next yeah and they want to drive interactions but too, i don't drive, I, drive traffic right? i specifically decline because with a lot of the with a lot of these these media outlets, and you can tell by the type of posts and the topics and questions they put out there. I mean, it's all about gaining interactions, right? And the people who are in charge of these sorts of things, they got to show the stats to their to their superiors. Like, look how much engagement this is getting. Look how much this is spreading around. I mean, it's all about uh, getting that interaction because that's how things spread. Yeah, I agree. And I think like my point earlier was I kind of made a, a transition from like the guy that was posting things, basically throwing shit against the wall and hoping that something sticks. Um, I would just throw things out there and hope that it got a bunch of likes. My point was to drop this funny comment that everyone would be like, oh, like that's funny and hit the like and everything. Yeah, so I was looking for it, right? But then now it's changed. It's more like, okay, listen, maybe it's because of the podcast, dude, but it's more along the lines of like, this is my opinion on this matter. This is why I think this way and have at it. And then people will respond to me and some of them, I like the ones where the people are just straight up talking chalk. You know what I mean? Like they're talking the game. They want, they ask me a question. They want to talk more about this. And I gladly respond to those people. But then you just have so many haters out there, Lesko. Oh, I mean, some people are just out there. I, I got a buddy actually who spends time specifically and I think on a lot of, of Leafs related posts online, Instagram or whatever, just like he's purposely trolling, purposely just ruffling feathers. And, me, and he's trolling guys, guys like yeah, me. Guy, well, just hardcore fanboys, right? Because you see a lot of them online, right? And my buddy is perfect, per, uh, like perfectly placing posts related to things. And specifically, not because he thinks that, but the best thing a, a, a good troll can do is convince you that that's their opinion. So it draws those people out, like, you're wrong. Like, you're you don't wrong, know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> Even though they don't see it for what it is, it's like they're driving engagement interaction yeah. by, by getting a fucking rise out of people, right? Yeah, it's very true. And and I, I often will, I don't know if you notice this on social media or not, but I'll often get into like a decent discussion with somebody and then I'll subtly at the end kind of throw in, hey man, check out this podcast. Like we just had a good exchange there. We were talking about this. We were talking about that. couple good comments. I liked your comment. You liked mine. We got along really well. Everything went You want to hear me yell? Yeah. You want to hear me talk about <laughs> other things and whatever? He fucking let's go. Like, and that, that brings me back to my point where I was saying I'm getting a bit of a name. I don't mean that to sound as stupid as it does, but I think what I'm saying is I personally notice certain people in those uh, forums that I've seen for years and I know what kind of take that they have. I know that this guy hates Nylander. I know that this guy, you know what I mean? So <laughs> you're building I, the book on these but dudes. I, but no, no, no. I just mean I remember them. That's all. I, I know this name and I know what he normally says. And he normally gets a lot of reaction because of what he says. I want to be that guy that's recognizable because he, he says his take and then has a discussion about it. So when people come in there with this maple laughs and Austin glass, you, you know what I mean? Glass, whatever it is, like all this bullshit. I just block those cocksuckers right from the get go. I don't need to deal with that anymore. Like I oh, used you're fucking to fucking right. That's how you got to do it, man. And you keep building that following. You drive traffic, build the brand, man. You got to drive the traffic into the podcast, build the brand, make some shirts. Let me know when you got a million followers there. Okay. Yeah, okay <laughs> I'll need to get my top badge first. Yeah, you got to fucking start translating some of your fucking Facebook rage over to Twitter too there. <laughs> I think, I think you really get some traction out there. Actually, but. that's a good point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to use Twitter as you don't well. Know how to, you don't know how to limit your characters. That's the thing. No, I do. You got too much. You're too wordy for that shit. 
Yeah, you're right. But I think being too like, hold on, I take offense to that. Oh, first. okay. I'm not too wordy. I'm. I explain like I think it's you're worse. Thorough. I think it's worse to be ambiguous. I I need to know what you're saying. In this there instance. lies the biggest issue with Twitter, though, is. You're, sometimes you're trying to say something in few characters or very simply, or like you might say it in a text conversation that's missing a lot of connecting words, and then somebody completely misconstrues what you're saying or tries to make a point that you were trying to make but may have not come across as clear as it should be yeah. because you're you're limiting yourself or you're just firing it off like a quick text. And then the entire thread is all about that one thing. Right. Yeah, people get hung up on something that, and I that was completely to, yeah. not the intention. <laughs> That's where the block button comes in handy too. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Or maybe, maybe it would be simpler for me to just type everything down and then take a picture <laughs> take a screenshot and then post the screenshot. Fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah. People do that. Like, everything's a note. Yeah. It's a note. Yeah. yeah my note to the team or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get in some leaves here. We All stop right. talking about our fucking social media, social media work. fucking work. Yeah. That's, uh, you Follow know. Follow me. Let's do what we can. Um, so, Tavares practiced today, which is good fucking news, yeah. I would say. Um, he was up there skating with Trevor Moore and Mitch Marner. I bet you Mitch is happy to see him. Um, they didn't really have any news for us as to when we can expect Tavares back in the lineup, but I got to assume if he's skating with his regular guys that it's it's going to be soon, right? And the Leafs have, what, uh, three, three or four days off right now? Uh, I'm not sure exactly as to the length. I know that they have some time. Um, I, I got into a big argument with somebody in one of my groups a good argument, uh, but you know he was talking about the team not being able to practice, and that's one of the major contributing factors to why they're not playing so well. And I, I did really appreciate that fact. I hadn't thought about it much that way, so I thought that that was a good point for him to bring up. We have had a terrible schedule. Uh, you know, let's go where I'm at. I don't just think that the start of this season is really the problem. I think it's been going on for a while, um, and I... Uh, I claim to know what the problem is, but I don't really know what is going to happen to fix it. I think getting these guys back is obviously a huge step in the right direction. Uh, Marner, like you said, happy to see Tavares return. I think you're right. When you see a guy practice in the regular jersey alongside his regular line mates, you have to imagine that barring any setback, he's going to be in. Yeah, let's hope he makes play. it back uh, Saturday night against Philly, which is the next Maple Leafs game. So that gives them a, a few days off. And hopefully, uh, you know, Morgan Riley gets some rest. I know he hasn't practiced and he missed four of the last practices uh, for the Leafs. We talked about it a little bit with Tyler there. Yeah, and, that's uh, weird, man. He plays 30 minutes a 30 night, minutes, I know. And but well, misses Pracky? Well, fuck. I mean, last night against Washington was such a, an anomaly in that Fuck, what do we have? We had our, our full defensive lineup for a period and a half. Yeah. And then Muzz goes down after uh, um, Tom Wilson took a pretty hefty run at him, I thought, too. And I had noticed that they were running Muzzin a couple times. Somebody had run him previously, and then Oshie had taken run at Muzzin as well. So it looked like, I don't know if there was a bit of bad blood there between Muzzin and the Capitals, but um, it seemed like they got what they wanted, got him out of the lineup, and then Riley steps up huge playing over 30 minutes in that game. And, um, you know, if the Leafs had any plans of easing Travis Dermott in the lineup, that wasn't happening last night. Yeah, they go. Yeah, I mean, he had to play last night. <laughs> yeah, he was thrown into the fire big time. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good, though. He looked good, and he looked good for the reasons why we've come to love Travis Dermott. I mean, his puck-moving abilities, his heads-up plays, and he showed you know some some really good prowess with the puck, I thought, in, in a few different situations. Um, it's unfortunate that they couldn't ease him in, but... You know, I'd almost rather him kind of hopefully hit the ground running because I think he's going to play a bigger role than just third-pairing minutes uh, moving forward for the Leafs with or without Muzzin. 
Uh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, what, what what did Tyler say? Uh, Charlie horse for Muzzin? That is what the report is calling it. So that's a relief, I think, for us Leaf fans out there because He'll be in. I mean, when you see a, a leg or a knee injury, you always think the worst, and it's got to be one of the hardest to deal with because unlike a, a certain upper body injury, you might be able to play through that kind of shit and uh, and get by. You might take practices off and 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 you know still make it through the games. But as soon as you you're talking um, lower body, you're talking muscle injuries, strains, pulls. Um, who knows, you know, and anything that has to do with the knees is uh, a huge red flag if you're a player. So um, let's hope that Muzz is good for Saturday night because I think he's been probably one of our best defensemen so far this season. But, I mean, isn't a Charlie horse just a glorified bruise? Pretty much. Yeah, right? Yeah, so, like, he kind of got one on the, I don't know, on the thigh or, like, in and around his knee because it looked like he was favoring uh, – it was his right, right knee, leg, yeah, yeah his right, right knee on the way off the ice. Um, better safe than sorry to take him off, but it, it certainly made for a weird situation for the Leafs. And as we talked about in the previous episode, they cannot end up in a situation where we're encountering a lot of injuries because of the cap constraints that we have, uh, especially in situations where there's not the ability to place guys on LTIR because we don't uh, get the cap relief that comes with it. So... Um just to stick on the injuries quickly before we move on, I'm a little nervous about Riley. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's it's screaming to me like one of those scenarios where at some point we're going to find out that this is bad. Like a, like a I don't even want to say it. Like you try and play through it and then it turns out, okay, you actually need some time off. It's a tear. Yeah. And, and you know, I think... I imagine there's some reluctance to let a guy like Riley take the time off because he's so important to this team. But the way this team operates now and with their sports scientists and you know the doctors making the decision as to when players come back, I have to think that if he needs to sit out, they will have him sit out. And right now they feel it's adequate for him just to take uh, some days off in between. I guess so. But I mean, it, it almost seems too familiar um, in relation to the Zach Hyman situation in the playoffs where we well, had Hyman at like 70%. It was he obvious he couldn't skate though. Like Hyman in the playoffs, it was very blatantly obvious that he was not right. Yeah. Like it was like he couldn't skate. But Riley, it almost is kind of blatantly obvious to me too. Riley normally jumps up into that play. Riley carries play. He dictates pace, dictates pace out there. Yeah, and, and I think he's skating fine from what I can see, but he is getting beat a whole hell of a lot. He got beat again pretty bad last night in that Washington game as well. Um, one of the other notes I wanted to get into about this Washington game was, holy fuck, man, what's going on with the power play? Okay, because... I mean, it looked like they figured it out after what seven attempts last night. They got it going. How many attempts did they have in the third? I don't. I'm not putting you on the spot. Were there a few well, more? I think in the they third? ended up with eight or nine overall, and one they, for fi- eight, right? they finally got one in the third, and then they were really buzzing. I think on the other power play that they did have. So I didn't watch the third. I was kind of. I checked out. I hope that I, means they figured it out a little bit. But I mean, if they if they score, you know, at a even a twenty percent rate on the power play throughout that game they win that hockey game they don't worry about uh going into overtime right hey if we're able to score at a 20 percent rate on the power play all season we're looking very good that's a benchmark that's a benchmark you got to be 20 or higher you need to score on one out of four that's it 
And as Tyler pointed out in the uh, conversation we had with them, the, you know, the zone entries weren't working. It's like you got to mix it up and do things a little different. Uh, maybe that means we see an increased role for a guy like Tyson, Tyson Berry and we don't go with the four forwards on the power play for a little bit just to switch it up. Um, they seem like they're almost a little bit lost too without Tavares in that spot because it's yeah, almost a, spot. it's almost a whole option that's been eliminated for them because I don't think they're looking at Janssen the same way they're looking at Tavares uh, on the power play. So, I mean, they got to figure it out though. The other thing that's really bothering me about it is there's just too many of these sexy fucking low percentage passes they're trying to make. Cross seam, fucking back door, like... Let's keep it simple and get some pucks on the net here because these low percentage passes are so frustrating because you have the extra space. You don't necessarily need to be making these crossing passes. No, and we do have the adequate talent on the blue line as far as getting pucks through. I remember, let's go, you may recall this or not, Cody Franzen was one of the one of the better defenders that could get the puck through. And they were just simple wristers. It was a lot of what, what Morgan Riley got a lot of his goals and assists on last year. Yes. was putting simple shots on net. Not the, the hardest shot you've ever seen. Like, basically, dude, at this point in the game, where the game is today in 2019, almost flipping the calendar to 2020, wow. As long as you can beat that first D-man, okay, if... You're across from me at the table right now. What well, are you, the initial are you like, guy blocking yeah. the shot, right? Yeah, you're Because as away. soon as you get a guy past the guy blocking, it's a screen, essentially. Yes, exactly. And we've seen, like, I'm, I'm glad you point out the Riley situation with his points, whether it be goals, mostly assists, because he gets it towards the goal. Sometimes it doesn't even get on goal. Sometimes it hits his own fucking player. Right in, the, right in the crest. Oh, fuck, he hit me. And then it pounces down, and they score. Like, you just got to get it. You're right. You just got to get it towards the net. Like, we sound like yeah. such idiots here. Coach, I know, but they're making they're, they're just making it harder than it has to be. And I understand with that level of talent and some of the goals that they score, and they made some pretty fine plays last night. But even, I think, through the first four uh, power plays they had, they only had two shots. That's not good enough. Like, you need to get, find a way to get pucks through the net, and you have guys who are shooters. I mean, the other thing I don't understand is on that second string, why aren't all the pucks either going to Barry or Nylander to shoot? I mean, Nylander should be the prime shooting option, and it seems like they're not positioning him to do so, or at least he's, maybe he's not positioning himself well enough to receive a pass and get a quick shot off. Here's what I think. When I watch other hockey games and I watch other teams on the power play, and let's eliminate the zone entries and and all that. Let's just talk about once once it's set up. Okay, once it's established. Once it's established and it's set up. What I see from other teams, and I'm even talking about the Washingtons of the world, which have a lethal power play, and the Minnesotas and Phillies of the world, which are horrifying on the power play. Okay, what I do see in those teams that I do not see with the Leafs is creativity. Well, it seems like they stick to the same play over and over, and they're trying the same shit. And even if it's not working in the same game or if the team's really getting a read on it, because all you got to do is watch them tape them. We talked about it last year. The power play started hot, and then everybody figured out how to defend it, but they didn't change. It the was other the, teams adjusted, and they didn't change. It was the half clap from Mitch. Right. 
It was the half wall, half clap. Sometimes he would shoot, sometimes he would pass. Now, they did make a, a quick change on the fly last night, whereas they did switch Matthews back uh, to his uh, his proper side. What, his strong being, side? Instead of being on the one-timer side. But why? That was working. Well, it wasn't no, no, the no, last no, night. No, it I wasn't know. last night, so yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. why they, they decided to mix it up a little bit. Right, so. but, but in that instance, if that's the thing you're going to change, that's what's, make, that's what's making me mad. That's what's making me mad. Your change is to take Matthews off his one tee and put him over on the strong side again. Why not bring Tyson Berry out? Like Tyler said. Right. Like there are other changes that could be made other than just switching the personnel. We screamed and hollered for Matthews to be on the one-timer side. He made the change. It worked at the start. Now it's not working. So what's he going to do? Go back to what wasn't working before? And I like I do understand that teams are keying on now. Matthews is the primary trigger man for the Leafs in the power play. But I I do feel that they need to find him a little more with the puck because he wasn't getting a whole lot of looks uh, on the power play last night, um, especially in the early going when they weren't even getting very many shots. I mean, he should be your primary target, I think, nine times out of ten when you shoot the puck like that. But how about that tip-in last night, though? Oh, that was dirty. i make you happy, I, eh? I, I wasn't watching live at the oh, time. Oh, jeez, man. I was stuck in a game of uh, Call of Duty, so I wasn't uh, wasn't watching live. Get your priorities straight. Hey, dude, I told you already, man. Like, I'm, 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 the, I'm a fan's fucking fan, okay? I got a goddamn tattoo. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like, it's, it's over. Like, I'm the fan of a lifetime. Lots of people that know me personally without knowing other people. And I'm not saying I'm a better fan than you or anyone. I'm not claiming this. Let's go. I'm just saying these people would say Josh fucking Coleman when they are asked, who's the biggest fan of a sporting team that you know of? They would be like, oh my God, Josh Coleman. Just because of the way I treat it like a fucking religion. I have to wear my jersey. I have to be ready to go for the game. We have to have, di- jersey, we have, to have dinner early. It has to be puck drop. I don't want to be late. It's everything. You know, sometimes circumstances show that I can't do that. But when I can... I make it's like a goddamn religion, and this season, I, I got nothing. I want to watch the game. I wanted to watch Dermot's return. We score immediately. I, I for a moment I go, oh my god, this is great. Then I realize, and of course they say it on TSN, Washington and Toronto are the two worst teams in the NHL in the first period. Yeah, they, they both allow the most goals in the first minute of the first period. So now I'm not feeling as great about that goal. Oh, hey, great. Instead of us getting scored on because we suck in the first, we scored on the other team right. who also sucks in the first. Yeah. You know, so it didn't make me that happy. It was great. It was off to a good start. But I'm in this I'm in this weird purgatory land where I thought coming into the season I was just going to have nothing but fun. I was going to have fun watching the team and everyone was signed. And yes, we had some work to the D, but th- that, that's next year. This year was all fun. Yeah, it was fun to watch last night. I'll definitely say that. And and mostly because it was probably their most complete effort that I've seen so far this season. Um, And that might even include the last time they played Washington where they had a pretty solid outing there as well. Uh, The other thing was they they really woke up. And I don't know if it was the OV comments that got them going or maybe some of the criticism they received over the weekend about how they responded to some of the the hits that they endured uh, against Montreal and San Jose. But, I mean, but they had some answers last night. I mean, Goat was out mucking it up a little yeah. bit, you know, doing something out there. Justin Hall absolutely smashed that guy, which it's so disappointing to see a guy actually throw a hit and then we get a fucking penalty, a penalty. for it. That's so frustrating. <laughs> it is. It's like, oh, yeah. but you know what? You know what I thought of when he made that hit and got a penalty? Fucking Gunner Stall. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes, well, well worth, worth it. it. <laughs> 
That's such a good quote. Especially when they killed it off. It yeah. was like, you're fucking right. Because, and, and Justin Hole, I got to give this, take a moment to give this guy credit. I was unsure as to whether he was an NHLer, and I'm sure most people thought that too. The guy only played, what, 11 fucking games last year. Yeah. Man, he has really stepped up and solidified himself as the option on the right side on the third pair. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, are you sure that it was that fun to watch, though, dude? I had a couple buddies on, that were there, okay? So Alex Hobson, formerly on the show, uh, and uh, Mark Vanderluke, who is going to be joining us next week, actually. So a little shout-out there to Mark. He'll be our guest next week. Um, they were at the game, and that second period, let's go, we had no shots through, like, 14 fucking minutes. That was the most boring part of the game. It was weird because it was very open and high-octane early in the first, almost much like the Sharks game. Fucking went to sleep in the second. It was a lot of neutral zone, broken plays, not a lot of shots. I think both teams were sending about 15 shots apiece halfway through the second. We had back to back power plays where we got zero shots. Yeah, zero goal. shots. Barely a fucking zone entry, too. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Where are we headed next, my friend? Well, there was a couple of things that, that just got me fired up. Like I said, it was a little bit of that physical edge. I know Matthews mucked it up a little bit in the front of the net, too. Um, not just battling for position during the play, but after the play, got into it with a couple of guys. So it's just nice to see a little bit of fight back, a little bit of motion that we might not have seen throughout the season. And them saying like, hey, there is no fucking Matt Martin here to stand up for me. Muzzin's off the ice, so we don't have even him. He's probably the most intimidating player on the for team. Sure, Zach sure. Hyman's not here. We got to fight fucking stand up for ourselves and look out for each other and i really hope that that message has resonated with the team all right well um, well i mean Tavares is coming back soon i think that's gonna create a, a good boost uh if not on the ice uh, in the locker room uh as well and i think it it it, it bodes well for what you're talking about too let a guy like Tavares is gonna come back He's not going to fight guys for you or whatever, but he will stand up for you. And we saw that, I believe it was his first game as a Leaf. Someone got dummied and he went over and mucked it up right away. And I remember thinking, yeah. this is why we got this guy. And this is why this guy should be our captain. It's just this was about a long sending a message. Like, you, like I said, Goat isn't probably going to fight anybody and, and that's fine. But it, to go and give him a face wash something. And I think that's what a lot of, um, a lot of the pundits were, were clamoring for. I think it was O-Dog on overdrive. He's like, there's got to be some fucking consequences when this shit happens. And yeah, you don't have to knock him out. You don't have to cross check him from behind through the boards, but there still has to be that message to say, Hey, like we saw that we're not just going to let it slide. And I think the Leafs let a couple slide on the weekend. Uh, and probably most notably is the, the hit from Brendan Dillon on Austin Matthews. Absolutely. And Matthews clearly wasn't too happy about it either. Felt he was hit in the head and there was some degree of head contact. There. I think he was too. Yeah. So he, you know, he's not wrong, but for the Leafs to just kind of sit there and, and let it slide. And, and, and I'm the first one to tell you, like you said earlier, if there's a clean hit, there's a clean hit. I don't think that necessarily means you have to drop the gloves and, and force a guy into a fight. Yeah. But if you don't like the hit, you got to at least say something. You got to do something. Or at the end of the play, you got to, you know, let that guy know yeah. some way physically, whether it's just a push or a little scrum. Well, here's my thing quickly on the Riley. Um, before we wrap it up, we should probably wrap it up. Um, quickly on the Riley penalty, I really liked the response. But then immediately, as soon as he did it, I said out loud, get your money's worth, Morgan. Get your money's worth. That's You're- why he gave him three, right? Sure, he, he gave did. three good ones sure, to the he kidneys. Did. But, but we've seen some pretty ridiculous stuff that maybe could have resulted in like a double minor or even a misconduct or something. If Buddy would have dove in the boards, if, if was it Backstrom would have dove headfirst in the boards, he might have got himself into more trouble. True. 
It's a good thing Backstrom's not a little bitch. Yeah, you're right, because it was Backstrom that came in up high. On, it was, yeah, that's right, on, yeah. Uh, yeah, in yeah. the corner. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking. I really did enjoy the response, but I was kind of thinking to myself, you know what, man? Like, you needed to make sure that you got him right right in the ribs, yeah. right in the fucking ribs. Get him. Get him yeah. two times. And you're right, he gave him a third one, so maybe I'm a little off on that. But I just remember thinking, like, fuck, you're sitting in the box and you're thinking to yourself, I, I didn't really get my money's worth. I should have really gave it to him. Really give it to him, you know? Yeah, and to give the greatest credit, like I said earlier, I thought it was a pretty good, solid effort. I think they deserved a better fate, but you're not going to kill four minutes in fucking overtime. And unfortunately, Mitch Mariner might have cost us another point right there. I think you're right, my friend. Yeah, I mean, they did a good job of killing it off. Justin Hall with some incredible shot blocks there. Shot blocking Ovi. Yeah. You know, a couple one-tees Two in a row. Yeah, it was... It was it was phenomenal, and, and, and I really liked the effort. So I hope they can they can take the positives of that game and build off that moving forward. All right. Well, we're going to build off this podcast and move forward. Uh, like I said, next week we got Mark Vanderloop uh, joining the show, and I could be horribly mispronouncing his name. I'm not sure. You don't know how to pronounce his name? <laughs> yeah. We should well. probably figure that out before he joins the show. <laughs> well, well, I've only I've only known him from like being online, I guess, like on. It's so one of those names that you read all the time, but you've never actually heard it spoken. No, but it's um, I think uh, like Vander Luke. There, it, it ends in G T. That's how it ends. Vander he's, was he Danish or something. He's a Dutchman. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he's a, oh, he's a Belmont smoking Dutchman. Belmont he's a, smoking. <laughs> he's a Belmont smoking. He likes some twenty dollars packs of darts. Yeah, and he's an absolute beauty. So. Um, we're looking forward to next week having Mark Vanderloop uh, join us on the program here in the Pucks and D podcast. But that's going to do it for us for another week here on the Puck Pod. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Puck Pod, at Coleman42, and at Let's Go Adam. And uh, that's it for the week. Take care. Comb your hair. We'll see you again next week here on the Pucks and D podcast.